seated. Let's let our ushers come forward to receive our offering. And let me just remind you again that Justified is pre-selling their tapes and CDs. In fact, they started recording this afternoon. And But if you want to pre-order one, you can see them out in the lobby tonight after the service. And then add to your hospital list Miss Hubbard. She is back in Memorial Hospital. Be praying for her. It's good to have those that are visiting with us tonight. We appreciate those have been with us today. Bonnie, it's been good to have you home. Many of you knew Bonnie played the organ here for a number of years back when Brother Burgess was here. And good to have Bonnie here and Lisa. Where's Lisa? She's been here today. Good to have her and her dad with us tonight. And I understand it's rained so much up in West Virginia. They're flooded out. In fact, Rusty Moon went up there to visit this weekend. That's why it flooded. Say amen right there. But uh, they're flooded out up there. So good to have Lisa here. She's been with us today. And it's been good to have Sherry's dad with us today. He's here with us this morning. Good to have him back tonight. And others, Miss Morris from up in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, and Pee Wee Valley Baptist Church. Good to have her. Her pastor is uh, one of my dearest friends, Al Zalam, with him every year. Be back in November this year. But uh, it's great to have Miss Morris with us today. And others that are visiting with us, we appreciate so much you've been in service. Let's pray now and ask God to bless the offering. 
And then right after the offering, we're going to introduce you to a special guest we have tonight. Father, bless now the giving of the people of God. Stir us all to be faithful and obedient to how you would want us to give. In Jesus' name, amen. songs they just sang and, um, what a truth I'm going to tell you something nothing's too hard for God we're going to sing this again again I got recruited but uh, we're going to sing this again go ahead brother Rick
stand together while the choir's coming down when we all get to heaven. Let's have some fellowship and then we'll sing it
to have brother john Botts and his family with us tonight brother john come he's one of our missionaries that we support he's with us in our mission committee meeting today let's welcome the Botts family with us tonight he's going to take a few minutes chairs well good evening it sure is good to be in a place where the spirit's alive amen, amen. i couldn't help but uh think of a story that i heard or read uh, a few months ago as the trio was singing, the longer I serve him, the sweeter I, he grows. And uh, I can't remember exactly how it went, but it went something along the lines. There was this big professor from one of the big universities that had finally come up with a lecture that would disprove that Jesus was, in fact, God. And he went around to the country getting all the pastors of the community in the different, different places he would go to and he had given this lecture and would make it actually an open debate at the end of the lecture for them to discuss whether or not Jesus is God. And as he was giving this lecture in one place, in the, uh, the crowd of pastors that was listening to this was an old African-American man, pastor, white-haired. And uh, after the professor got done with the uh, lecture, he opened up for questions and this black pastor stood up, had a brown paper sack, lunch sack in his hand, and out of the sack he pulled an apple, he began munching on that as he kind of just reviewed what the professor said, something along the lines, you said such and such about this, and the professor said, yes, that's right, and the guy said, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, as he was chewing on this apple, and, and uh, after he got done with the apple, he, down to the core, he put the core in the paper bag, and he said, sir, I just have one question for you. The apple that I just ate, was it sour or was it sweet? And the professor said, kind of laughing, says, there's no way I can answer that question. I didn't taste it. And the black pastor said, it's quite obvious you haven't tasted my Jesus either. Amen. 
Well, pastor said I couldn't preach tonight, so I better stop right there. (laughs) We are glad to be with you. My name is John Baltz. We're missionaries to the country of Japan. Let me introduce my family. Honey, would you stand? And my daughter, if she'll stand, I don't know. This is my wife. Uh, Minako, and of course she is Japanese, Minnie for short, and our daughter there is Melody. She's four years old. We have our boy James, almost two years old in the nursery, so you need to pray for the nursery people tonight. And uh, we are back in the States right now, actually on our first furlough. We have completed our first term, and I'll just share a few minutes with you tonight about what we were able to do, to do uh, during this past term. Uh, now, we are out of the Trinity Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida, and we're, we are with BIMI here in town. Uh, before I tell you about what took place this past four years, uh, we were here in the church probably, I guess it's been about six or seven years ago when we were here last time, and I do appreciate the, the, the church's faithful prayers and support during that time. But in case you, uh, this is your first time to meet us tonight. Uh, I grew up in Japan. I've been in Japan since 1976 when I was seven years old. been there for 25 years. And so regardless of what I look on the outside, I am more Japanese than I am American. And uh, just to kind of illustrate that, when it comes to my food, I would rather eat fish than steak. I would rather eat squid than chicken. And I would rather eat octopus than pork. And occasionally, I will cook those before I eat them, too. (laughs) In case you didn't know, the country of Japan has the longest life expectancy in the world for both male and female. That'll change your attitude towards sushi, won't it? (laughs) There's always a hard-headed one in the bunch in there. We went to Japan in November of 95 for our first term. And being that I grew up in Japan, I was able to skip language school and so forth. We worked out of my wife's home church. By the way, my wife is a product of missions, and I think that would be an encouragement to a church that is involved in in, uh, missions. Well, I guess probably the greatest testimony you can give a church is just letting them see the fruit of missions. And uh, that's what my wife is. But we worked in my wife's home church for about a year and uh, five or six months, and then we started our first work. We started the uh, uh, Baptist Church Uozumi Chapel in the city of Akashi, Japan, which is right next to the city of Kobe. And uh, many of you remember the earthquake about six years ago. We are right in that exact area where that took place. Uh, We started the work. Uh, Satan did not want us to start a work there. And if you're ever in any kind of ministry, that actually is an encouragement because you know you're in the right place if Satan doesn't want you there. And, but he closed every door that he could close, it seems like, in our face. We couldn't find a place to rent for a church building. We couldn't even find a place to rent for us to live. As soon as I would mention that I was a missionary, that I'd be doing church work, everybody closed the door and said, we don't want to rent to you, which was very, uh, to me, was very surprising. Even though the Japanese people aren't very receptive to the gospel, they like Americans in general. And uh, for them to say no uh, was rather discouraging for us. Uh, The country of Japan has 125 million people. That's about half the population in the United States, one of the largest populated countries in the world. Land area is about 10,000 square miles less than the state of California. Not a very large land area country, but when you consider the population and 
also consider the fact that 90% of the people live on 12% of the land. Uh, that is how you get the crowded situations that we have there in that country. But out of 125 million people, only 1% of the people know Jesus Christ as their Savior. That makes that country one of the least populated Christian countries there is in the world. But as we, with all that in mind, as we begin to start the work and knowing the Japanese, we're not going to welcome us as missionaries, but we think we would find a place to live. And, and as it got to be discouraging there uh, without being able to find a place, we turned to the Lord and uh, God always makes a way. And as we continue to pray and continue to look, God gave us a building, a room to rent that was well beyond our expectations. We found a, a room that was in a building that was 33 feet by 33 feet square. Not a very large room when you think about the churches we have here in the States, but for Japan it's not a bad start. Only problem is a room that size in Japan would have a fair market rent price of about $3,000 a month. That, of course, was well beyond our budget. And we prayed, we talked to the landlord in person, and he made a mistake of asking me how much I wanted to pay for rent. And I told him. And uh, we said we could budget between $800 and $1,000 a month. He said he'd get back with me in a couple of weeks. I didn't think he was going to even think about getting back in touch with me. But sure enough, a couple of weeks later, he got back and said, are you still interested in the building? I said, I sure am. He said, you can have it for $1,000 a month. And uh, two other companies had rented the same room. One did pay $3,000. Another one had paid $2,500 a month. We got it for $1,000. And uh, built a, divided the room up into an auditorium, faster study, nursery, and so forth began our services uh, there in April of 1998, I believe it was, or 97, rather. And uh, the church is one in the, the best location we could imagine there in town. It's right close to the train station. It comes with four parking places. And uh, in Japan, you know how to fit seven cars into four parking places. We know how to do it over there. And uh, we began to work. God blessed from day one. We saw people in, lost people in from the number one service there, that church. Within a few months, people were being saved, both adults and children. And over the period of four years, actually it's a little over four years now that the church has been in existence, we now have a membership of nine people. We're getting ready to baptize two more, so that'll help us by 11. Uh, we're seeing an average attendance of about 25 to 30 people on Sunday morning. The offerings are averaging well over $2,000 a month. Last March, this past March, I got a call from the Japanese national brother who was filling in the pulpit for us while we're back in the States on our furlough, and he told me that God had burdened his heart to become the pastor of that church, and uh, so we've got a national pastor to take over the work when we go back to Japan. We'll be going back in October of this year, and uh, within a few months, we'll turn that work over uh, to that Japanese brother. That'll allow us to go on to, to begin some other ministries. What we're praying to, about doing this next term is trying to start two works. Uh, God has given us a personal vision of being able to start 40 churches in the country of Japan. Once every four years, one church every four years, i just not going to live long enough, amen? Uh, so there's going to have to be uh, different ways of doing this. I don't have all the answers, but then again, God always makes a way. And uh, so we're just uh, trusting him. I've got a lot of ideas, praying about a lot of things. I wish that you would pray about this. God's need a lot of wisdom for this, need to have a lot of doors open and, and, and the knowledge to walk through those open doors. And uh, so be in prayer about this as, as we try to uh, continue the work there 
on this next term uh, with the ministries that we'll be doing. Uh, we still have about two and a half months left of our furlough. Most of the rest of this time, we'll, 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 we will be candidating in new churches. I'd ask that you would pray about that. Uh, we are needing to raise uh, some extra support while we're back here in the States. We had two children. The exchange rate dropped by about 20%, and uh, that has put us in the hole financially, and so we do need to get that. Let me just leave you with one verse, and I'll be done in Philippians chapter 2 and verses 17 and 18. Paul is writing to a church that, by the way, is one of his supporting churches. And in that, he says this. He says, Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. Paul was obviously happy about something, wasn't he? He uses the word joy and rejoicing four times in two, in two verses. But the thing that made him happy was this. He says, if I be offered, that's him as a missionary, upon the sacrifice and service of your faith. What he was saying is, as a missionary, I'm able to offer myself because you have sacrificed of your faith. And that's exactly true for us. You know, we're not the only ones that sacrifice. And we know that. And we know that we're able to sacrifice ourselves on the mission field because you're sacrificing right here through your faith. And the great thing about this is that mutual sacrifice produces a mutual rejoicing. Now, they tell us when we come back on further, we're to go around to report to our churches. But I like Paul's terminology better. We have come to rejoice with our churches. And there's so much to rejoice about. And there'll be even more to rejoice about as we continue to sacrifice through your faith and through ourselves on the mission field. Thank you. Come by and see our display. We've got prayer cards for you to ask that you take them uh, to pray for us. It's got our name, our picture on there. Somebody asked me, he says, why do missionaries always put, always put their pictures on their prayer cards? I answered, I don't know about the other missionaries, but we just wanted to let you know that all the missionaries out there aren't ugly. Amen? There are a few handsome ones out there. So you get one of those prayer cards and remember to pray for us. Thank you. I'll pray for Eddie. His hands are shaking. And pray for us because we're cutting in on Brother Ken's preaching time now. <laughs> Amen. This is a song we just, uh, well, we practiced it last night, so we're going to fling it on you today. So, you know, they, uh, I've been accused of being a little bit country, so. We're going to show you just how much right now.
Eddie, it's hard to play with a fellow like Darren, I know. <laughs> oh, you enjoyed that? Say amen. amen. Praise the Lord. I'm glad one day he dipped his love in my heart. Turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 28, Matthew chapter 28, and I'm going to share with you just a few things tonight about people, 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 and more people. While you're finding your place, a very familiar passage of Scripture, let me just remind you now, Friday night, 7 o'clock, uh, we're having our faith banquet. As I mentioned this morning, this is for anyone that is interested in faith. Uh, you've, maybe you've been invited to be on the faith teams this fall semester. This is for you. This is for all the faith leaders from last semester, faith learners from last semester. If you're just wanting to find out about it, and you just want to come by and just sit in and, and uh, learn a little bit about faith, that's what it's for. And it's a recruitment banquet, really, but we want you to be there, all of you, to come. I wonder, just by show of hands, how many of you are planning on being here Friday night, 7 o'clock? We need to get just an idea there. All right, several of you there. So uh, we hope many, many more of you uh, will participate in faith that starts august the 9th is that right aaron august i believe it's august the 9th so uh we're looking forward to the third semester it's good to have chantelle's mother with us good to have her in the service tonight she's some her husband's a pastor in south carolina is that right or georgia georgia good to have you with us tonight on sunday nights now for the past two or three weeks i've been just uh sharing with you a few thoughts that i am calling sharing the vision and then the second stage of the whole thing will be preparing for the vision. And uh, I really, for two Sunday nights and tonight, <clears throat> very, very simple, not trying to give you anything new or whatever, just to remind you of certain things and just to do basically two things. One, I want you to understand our vision. I want you to try to understand what I feel that God has put into my heart for this place, what I feel like the Lord is doing here and where He is leading us, where myself, where our leadership, different ones, what we feel like God is doing and where He's going to go and where He wants us to go. As I mentioned this morning, next Sunday night, I've been talking about the vision and just now explain why I've been doing what I'm doing, but next Sunday night, I'm going to give you the details of it. You've been wanting to know, what are we thinking about doing? Where are we thinking about going? What is our plans? What do we feel like the Lord is doing here? Uh, where do we feel like the Lord is taking us? Next Sunday night, I'm going to give you the details of it. And I'm going to be asking you and be sharing a lot of things with you next Sunday night about where we are going, what we're fixing to do, what we're wanting to do, and not only immediately, but over the course of the next two or three years. And so I'm going to give you the details of all that. I'm going to be asking you to do a couple of things next Sunday night. I'm going to be asking you to approve certain things and to authorize us to do certain things and different things. But I'll give you the details next Sunday night. Now, I'm so excited about it. I've been wanting to do it for the past three weeks. I almost decided to do it tonight. I said, no, you can wait one more week on it. Amen, right there. But next Sunday night, I'll give you the details. But I've been trying and what I'm seeking to do is for you to understand what the vision is. We as a church, where we want to go, what we believe that God wants to do. Let me rephrase that. It's not where we want to go, but where we believe God is taking us and what we believe God wants to do. 
So I said the other night, it's not a matter what we want to do. It's what God wants to do. It's not, this, this not our church, it's not my church, it's not the deacon's church, not your church. This church belongs to God. And we've got one responsibility, and that's to know the will of God, to know the mind of God, and just do what God wants us to do. So that's what we're trying to do, help you to understand what we feel God is wanting to do. And the second thing is to un- help you to understand how. Now that's what this past three weeks, tonight being the third week, is all about. Now, we talk about a vision, and next Sunday night, I'm going to share with you the details of what we feel like God is leading us to do as a church. But what I've been talking about the past three weeks, including tonight, is how we're going to do it. It's one thing to have a vision. It's another thing how you fulfill that vision. Someone introduced me to a writer by the name of Tom Rayner out of Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, Tom Rayner, they introduced me to his books. And the first book that I ever read by Tom Rayner was a book entitled Eating the Elephant. Well, I thought this is an unusual title, so I bought the book and read it and loved it and then went out and bought everything that Tom Rayner had and read all of his books. But uh, I remember in one of his books, he talked about a survey that he did and on, I believe it was over 800 different churches. And this is big churches, little churches, medium-sized churches, city churches, country churches, churches all over the country. They did a survey of over 800 of them. And they studied those that were being effective evangelistically. That is, they were winning people to the Lord. And they found out these, this about these churches that were doing it. And they found out it was not so much that they had 101 irons in the fire, they found out what the, the churches that were really winning people to God were focusing on the basics, and they were doing the basics well. And they found out that the number one reason churches was growing because of the preaching of the Word of God, Bible preaching, being a stay in the Word of God, not just preaching from the Bible, but the preaching of the Bible. And they found that was the number one factor in these churches that were growing was the preaching of the Word. They found, number two, that prayer was the key why those churches were growing. And number three was just winning people to the Lord, soul winning, being witnesses. And they found that the churches that were really growing, churches were really winning people to the Lord, were churches that were just focusing on the basics and doing the basics well. And I read that, and I thought, well, that's what the Bible's all about. That's what the Bible tells us to do. The Bible tells us to preach the Word. The Bible tells us to pray. And the Bible tells us to win others to the Lord. I believe this. I believe one of the reasons we're experiencing what we're experiencing is because we have been focusing upon those three things. And I believe that the reason and how we are going to achieve what we're going to share with you next Sunday night, it'll be because of three things. It'll be because of our services as we gather here and what goes on in our services. Two, because we are a praying church. That's what the upper room ministry is all about. And three, because we make people a very, very important part of what we do. In other words, it's just people, 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 and more people. Can I get an amen there? Just focusing on the basics and doing the basics well. Stand as we honor the reading of His Word. Here's two very familiar verses of Scripture. I'll just draw some thoughts from them tonight, point you in that direction, and just say a few things tonight about people. Verse 19, the Scripture said, "'Go ye therefore.'" And teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now you may be seated. Let's pray. 
Our Father, tonight in Jesus' name, we thank you for what you've done. We thank you, Lord, for the presence of the Lord in the service this morning and for your presence here tonight. We thank you, Lord, for what you've done over the summer months and for what you've done throughout this year. And, Father, I realize tonight that there's not one thing and not one area in which we can take credit for. There's not one of us tonight that can boast as the reason for what you have done. You and you alone get the glory for what we've seen, and we thank you for it. Father, we believe you're doing great things, and we believe, Lord, you're leading us in, in wonderful directions. We want to follow you. We want to know your mind. We want to know your heart. We want to know your will. And so we submit ourselves to you that we just stay in touch with you, that we stay out of the way, and that you lead us, and we'll go behind you and just follow you. We thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do for us, and we're excited about the future. But, Father, help us to realize there are reasons why you bless the church. And help us to realize, Lord, that if we're going to fulfill our vision, there are certain things as a church we must do. So, Father, I pray you'd speak to us tonight in Jesus' name, and for Jesus' sake we pray, amen. Now, let me just remind you of the three things, or two things we've looked at, and the third one I give you tonight. The first thing we talked about was praying the power down. No matter what the future holds, we can come before you and say, this is our goal, this is our plan, this is our objective, this is what we want to do. But I want to remind you, we'll not get it done, we'll not see a part of it accomplished if we're not a praying people. Can I get an amen right there? Pray. That's why I challenged you a couple of weeks ago to pray, to develop your own personal prayer life, to be a part of the upper room, our prayer ministry, to be a part of not only your individual prayer, being a part of your individual life, but the ministry we have ourselves. Prayer is vital to it. As Wesley said, every Moody said, every great movement of God is trace to a kneeling figure. Pray the power down. Pray as you've never prayed before. As we are blessed of the Lord, don't stop praying. And the more we're blessed, the more you want to pray. And the more we see God do, the more we need you to pray. Don't stop now. Keep on praying. Amen? Pray the power down. And the second thing we looked at was the Sunday celebration. Just reminding you that when we come to church on Sunday, whether it be Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night, we didn't come to the funeral home. When we come to church, we come to church to worship God. You might say that prayer is a matter of what we want to get from God. But when we come to church, church is what we give to the Lord. And I just remind you what I said last Sunday night. We have this idea that when we come to church, it's for the purpose of getting something. I come to get something. I come to get something. And church, you ought to be able to get something when you come to church. But when you come to church, you come to church to give glory to God. You come to church to worship Him. You come to church to give Him praise. You come to church, as the Bible said, unto Him be glory in the church. So when you come to church, there's something you give to God. And I believe this, if you'll give to God what you ought to give to God, if you'll love Him, you'll honor Him, you'll worship Him, you'll adore Him, you'll glorify Him, then I believe you'll get something from church. The reason you don't get anything is you don't give anything. Can I get an amen right there? But it's a celebration. It's the first day of the week we worship upon, worship on. And the first day of the week is resurrection day. So we gather to celebrate, and that's why we come. I believe that is basic. I believe that is fundamental. You don't want to go to a church dead. It's 4 o'clock in the morning, do you? 
You don't want to go to church when they sit there like Elijah the wooden Indian. Now, if that's your cup of tea, help yourself. But not me. I got saved and God saved me from a devil's hell and put the love of God shed abroad in my heart. I want to come to church and get something when I come and give something when I come. I want to come to church and His name glorified. I don't want to come to a funeral home. I want to come to a celebration. And I believe it works. But then the night. There's another thing that I believe is key if we're going to fulfill our vision. And again, next Sunday night, we're going to give you some big things. We're going to share with you things that five years ago we would have never dreamed about doing. We're going to share with you next Sunday night, even two years ago or even a year ago, we would have never dreamed possible or even dreamed that we'd ever be doing. We're going to share with you some big things, biggest steps. We're going to take some steps. And when all the next Sunday night, some of the biggest steps we've ever taken as a body of believers and where we're going to go. But if we're going to see it done, then I believe another thing is critical. Not only must we pray the power down, not only must we celebrate when we come to the house of God, but third. We have got to realize that we're in the business of reaching people. That's what it's all about. It is going after people. It is people, 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 and even more people. Can I say it again? This church, one of the reasons we are here is people and people and people and even more people. It is just making people a focus of what we do. You know why most churches die? They become inwardly focused, not outwardly focused. A church that becomes inwardly focused will die because when they become inwardly focused, they get in that preservation mood. They get in that stage of saving things and keeping things as they are. And it's how I have done things. It's what my class is. And it's my job and what I've done all through the years. It all becomes inwardly focused. And that church sooner or later will begin to die. But a church, if it wants to move forward, must become outward in its focus. It must realize there's more to this matter than just me, my four, and no more. There's world out there that needs to hear about Christ. And there's a neighborhood out there that needs to know that, thank God, there's a better life than the life they're living, and that Christ died that they might be saved. And we have, there's a world out there that needs to know what we have, and that is that Jesus saves, becoming outwardly focused. When you look at the Bible, someone says, well, why aren't you happy with things the way they are? As long as there's one person outside those doors never been saved, I'm not going to be happy where we are. And as long as there's more dollars to be raised for missions and more to do to win the world of Christ, I'm not going to be satisfied. We're not going to stop. We're not going to slow down. We're not going to back down as long as there's one soul that needs to know about Jesus in this area. We're going to stay at it. Can I get an amen right there? So we don't, we're not a matter of settling down. It's not a matter of slowing down. It's not a matter of being happy with what we've got. It's a matter of realizing there's more to do. It's not so much that we want to do more, but we want to see God do more. And when you look at the early church, you can't deny that the early church was a growing church. It was growing numerically. But not only was it growing numerically, it was growing spiritually. You want to know why it was growing numerically? You want to know why it's growing spiritually? Because the focus of the early church was people, people, people and more people. Let me say three things. Are you with me now? Say amen. I'm going to give you three simple things. One, the purpose of the church. 
The purpose of the church. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20 gives us a two-fold purpose of the church. Let me give it to you. One, one purpose of the church is the evangelization of the unsaved. He said in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. One of the purposes of the early church was to go, to go into the world and to reach people for Jesus Christ. You realize that we are more than a social club sitting on the corner of 3200 Rossville Boulevard. We are a body of saved believers that have the responsibility of getting other people saved. And we, as one of our purpose as a church, is that we reach out to people that are unsaved. That's one of our purposes. The other side of the coin is not only the evangelization of the unsaved, but the edification of the saved. We want to see people saved. We want to do everything we can to see people saved. We want to do everything we can to reach out to bring people in. But not only do we want to see them saved, we want you to grow in the things of God. We want people to grow, to be edified, teaching them to observe whatsoever I have commanded you. It's like he said to Jesus said, this is what I'm telling you to do. Now you go out and win somebody to Christ, teach them to do the same thing I'm telling you to do, and the process goes on and on and on. There is evangelization and there is edification, building up the people of God. Now that's our purpose. That's our purpose. Every believer and every church member of Temple Baptist Church, you are involved in this purpose or you should be involved in this purpose. It is a matter of people. It is a matter of people. People, 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 and more people. Reaching out, trying, doing everything we can to get people in church, to get people saved, and then to grow them in the things of God. Now, that's a commitment. That's a commitment of church ministry. That's a commitment of church members. There is a must be a personal outreach and there must be planned outreach. But that's the purpose, reaching out. But let me give you a second thing. There is now the purpose of the church, but there is the passion of the church. See, it's one thing to have a purpose. And no church will ever fulfill its purpose until, first of all, it gets a passion for people, a passion to reach people. A church will never fulfill its purpose to reach people until it has a passion to reach people. Now, let me just say two things about this passion, very, very simple things. We ought to have a passion for people. Now, let me just go on record and put it this way tonight. I want you to understand something tonight. Temple Baptist Church loves people. We love people. Amen? Now, you may not love people, but I want to go on record here and just let it know that this church loves people. I won't go on record tonight and say this. We love everybody. It doesn't matter to me whether they're black. It doesn't matter to me whether they're white. It doesn't matter to me what their nationality is. I want you to understand this. I want you to tell all Chattanooga about it. Everybody's welcome over here. Everybody. doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter what you've done. How you come, we want you to know there's somebody that will change your life. We want you to know there's a group of people over here that loves you, that doesn't want you to go to hell. We want you to go to heaven with us one day. We love people. Can I get an amen right there? That's what we're here for. To win people, 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 and even more people. But there's got to be a passion. It's got to be more than just something we talk about. There's got to be something driving us. 
a passion driving us, a passion that drives us, for example, a passion driven by love for people, a passion driven by love for people to really love one another. You say, oh, I don't have all this burden and stuff. I'll tell you one thing. You get involved in some things such as in faith and different things like that, and you'll find out as you go out there and you visit homes and as you see situations, it'll break your heart and touch your heart and burden your heart, and you'll find a passion and a love for other people, a passion driven by love for people. That's what we're here for. So, oh, I know we don't want to get certain kind of crowd in here. Did not Jesus die for that certain kind of crowd? Did he not? Now, I know it's hot and sticky in here tonight. But don't die on me. Did he not die for the whole crowd? And, and that crowd out there that's mean as the devil, I mean, you wonder why they're mean as the devil? They're mean as the devil because that's, they're the devil's children. That's what we're here for, to get that crowd mean as the devil, tell them about Jesus, get them saved, get them a new life, and make Sunday school teachers out of them. Make preachers out of them. Make people in the St. Choir members out of them. That's what it's all about, reaching out to everybody and really caring for them and loving them. A passion says, I want to reach everybody I can. A passion that says, we don't want an empty pew in this place. A passion that says, I want to reach that family down the street. Passion says, I want to reach that family down the street. Passion says, I want to reach this individual. And the passion says, I want to reach this individual. I care for that person. I love that person. Driven by love for someone. A passion not only driven by love for people, but a passion driven by the urgency of reaching people. Don't you understand that? I believe this tonight. You believe the Bible? Do you believe the Bible be the Word of God? I believe this about the Bible. I believe the Bible teaches us Jesus Christ is soon to come. Do you believe that? They talked about riding a glory train. Well, I believe one of these days it's just about time for that glory train to pull out. I mean, we've got limited time on this earth, and there is a people out there that need to know Christ. There's a world out there that needs to be one. There are multitudes that have never been saved. There's an urgency about the matter. So, well, maybe, preacher, why get so worked up right now? Why don't you slow down and just kind of get your bearings a little bit? And why don't you just try to kind of just ride alone? And No, 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 no. Christ is soon to come. Hell is as hot as it's ever been. And people need to be saved. There's an urgency about reaching people. Never has there been a time when this church or anybody believers ought to buckle down and put their hand to the plow and say, let's do whatever it takes to get people saved. There's an urgency about the matter. There's a passion that ought to drive us. The purpose of the church, evangelization, edification, being driven by this passion to win people. And that leads me to the third thing. All of that makes people a priority of the church. It's like making the main thing the main thing. The ultimate priority of our lives is to glorify God. But if you glorify God, you'll care about other people. You'll care about other people. What am I saying to you tonight? What I'm saying to you tonight is this, that we as a church want to focus our attention as we never have before on reaching people. And I think, one of the, I think there's... I think there's a couple of reasons why we're experiencing what we're experiencing around here. I really do. I think there's, I think there's two reasons. One, people have been praying. People have been praying. People have been back there in that prayer room. 
and those that volunteered over the past year hadn't got any recognition. Nobody ever says anything about them. Nobody hardly ever knows that they're going on. But, but I think about those out there. You come out here all times during the day, see a car parked out there, and you see that car parked out there. You know, somebody's back there in the prayer room. Somebody's praying. Somebody's praying the power down. I believe that's one of the reasons we're seeing it happen. And I believe there's another reason. I think faith is a key. Not so much faith itself, but what we are doing in faith. People getting a burden for others. People going out, learning how to tell others about Jesus Christ. People going out week after week after week. A commitment made. I remember our first semester of faith. Two leaders and four learners. What you have, you that are in faith, you're familiar with this, but you have one leader and you have two learners on each team. A leader is somebody that has already gone through faith. They've gone through a semester of faith, 16 weeks. They've gone through memorizing and doing all the work, different things. They have learned how to present the gospel using the letters F-A-I-T-H. Been a growing experience. They've already gone through. That's a leader. We started out our first semester here with two leaders, me and Brian. Sent Brian right over here to Hickson to a faith clinic. I went to Dothan, Alabama to a faith clinic. That's all the two leaders we had, me and Brian. We met back in the Couples for Christ class. We had four learners, my wife, and uh, Larray and uh, who is Arlen Smith and who was the other? John Vandergriff, those four. Those, I really love them. That's why I remember their names so quickly. <laughs> but they were our four learners. Started out. There we were, the six of us in that big old room. But they all went through faith, came back as a leader. So the next semester, our second semester, we not only had me and Brian as a leader, but we had the other four as a leader, so we had six leaders in the next semester. And they each one had two learners. So we had six and we had 12, had 18. We went from six to 18 in one semester. This past semester, our third semester, we had 40-some people in it. And if all of them, I think the majority of them are coming back as leaders this coming semester, our fall semester, they're going to be around 70, 70 to 80 people going out every Thursday night telling somebody they don't have to go to hell. Jesus loved them and that Christ died for their sins and they go to hell. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that exciting? How many of you in faith this last semester? won somebody to Jesus Christ. I mean, you had the privilege of leading somebody to Jesus Christ. Would you stand on your feet, please? In faith, you led somebody to Jesus Christ. Look at all these right here. They led somebody to the Lord. How many of you won the first time? First time. And in faith, it was the first time you'd ever gone on visitation. Would you stand? Would you stand? All of you, it was the first time you'd ever gone on visitation in your life. Now, it was great, wasn't it, Sherry? Or that wasn't Sherry. That's Lorraine down there. Uh, amen. Uh, got me lost there. I'm in trouble now. Amen. I meant to say Luray. Amen. But uh, they went out. It wasn't bad. First time. Now, isn't that great? Think about it. Going out. That's what we're here for. And far as I'm concerned, those are the two keys to why we're seeing what's going on right now. People were praying. We're getting something from God. And then we're going out and giving it to folks and telling folks about it. And folks are coming in and coming in and coming in. And i got good news for you. They're going to keep on coming in. You say, so getting a little crowded around here. You don't know how bad it's yet to get. Say amen. amen. So, but I, somebody took my seat. 
Well, if that's the way you feel about it, somebody need to take your seat. Amen. Say, but it's, it's I'm never, praise God the Lamb forever. Amen. That's what we're out where this is what it's all about. It's getting people. Listen to me. It's people. It's people. It's people. And even more people. This whole thing is not about budgets. This thing is not about buildings. This thing is not about programs. It's about people. Loving people. Pouring our lives into people. Caring about people. Reaching people. Growing people. It's all about people. That's our vision. Let's stand, would you please? Next Sunday night, I give you the details. But I'm saying to you tonight, said to you for the past three weeks, what our whole focus is going to be on and has been on, and what this church is all about, really is reminding you that, one, we want to be a praying people. Two, we want to be a worshiping people. Three, we want to be a working people, winning people to the Lord. I'm going to ask you to do something tonight. I'm going to ask you to come here in just a moment, all of you that will, and just kneel around this altar and say, Oh, God, I want you to give me a vision. I want you to give me a vision of what we should do. Give me a vision of what we can do. Give me a vision, Lord, of what you want to do in this church. I want you to pray and ask God to help you to get the vision he's put into my heart and put into our leader's heart and put it into your heart. Will you do that? We just ask God to give you a vision for someone. Give you a vision for God. Give you a vision what he wants to do. I want you to come in a moment. Just kneel here and pray. Just say, Lord, I want you to give me a vision. Help me to see things as you see them. Help me, Lord, to see what you want to do. Lord, help me to see where you want to go. Lord, give me a vision. Will you do that? Father, tonight in Jesus' name, speak to us. Father, we ask you, Lord, to stir us as a people to become even more a praying people. Father, may we be a people excited about being saved so that when we come to church, it is a celebration of sinners saved by the grace of God. And then, Lord, help us to become so people-minded that we love people and we care about people and we want to reach people and we want to bring people in. God, help us to be a people that love people, care about others, that we'll be an instrument in the hands of God to spread the most wonderful story that man has ever known, that Christ died for our sins. Lord, give us your vision. In Jesus' name, amen.